Today we're going to uh, discuss the, uh, the Pasha of Shemot. Now, while I hate to say this, uh, at each lecture that uh, we're always encountering corruption, because in English, the uh, Sefer, the entire book of, uh, of Shemot is called the Book of Exodus. And the Pasha, the first Pasha, like in Bereshit, the first Pasha is always called on the same name as the entire book. Therefore, it's called Sefer Bereshit, the book of Genesis. And the first Pasha of Bereshit, of Genesis, is also called Genesis. And here too, Shemot, and the third book is called Vayikra, Leviticus, and the fourth, uh, fourth is Bamidbar, and the fifth is Deuteronomy or Devarim. And yet, it's strange that the first book, the book of Bereshit, is called Genesis. It's called Genesis, creation. And it describes creation. The first, the beginning is creation. In the beginning. In the beginning means Genesis. But Shemot does not mean Exodus. It does not mean Exodus. Now where the word Exodus came to mean Shemot, I don't know. But the reason I can explain the way why they call it Shemot is because this is dealing with the Exodus. But I can say of all of the book of Shemot, of Sefer Shemot, the majority of this second book of the Torah is not dealing with the Exodus. And yet, they call it Exodus. It deals with that. And so I want to read a Zohar which is the way we begin all of our sessions, because it makes for better connections, better understanding. In other words, the same thing, if we didn't read the Zohar, we would understand everything in one level of consciousness, and if we read the Zohar, we'll now understand everything we're going to learn tonight on another level of consciousness. It's that simple. But pertaining to the question that I raised, what is this inyan of Shemot? What is this inyan of Shemot? So on page 18 of the Zohar, in Shemot, Rababa Pastach, Rababa began by Yamar. Because in the second word of the Pasha, it says Shemot. So he says right away, Al Tikra Shemot, Beshin Ptucha, Shemot. Don't call it Shemot, because it doesn't mean Shemot. Ella, 
שמות בשין צרויה. שמות. It means names. Now names has nothing to do with Exodus, so we think. In other words, this Pasha, or maybe the whole book, is about Shemot. Now for us, what does Shemot mean? It means the 72 names. I embed Shemot. Other Shemot. But that's what Rababa says in any event it means. Just as whatever Hashem, the Lord did in the Rekiah, in space, in the firmaments, just as there are names in the firmament, in, in, the, in space, There are also Shemot. In other words, we are not talking about the names of the tribes alone, but just as he already once explained that what are the, what are the names of the tribes? What, are, what, is, what was the purpose of the tribes? Why did Yaakov have 12 sons? We, all, we explained that away when we learned the Pasha that dealt with Shemot. By Yetzir Yaakov. That we knew that those names were names of the signs in the Rekiah. What are the signs in the Rekiah in the firmament? The signs of the Zodiac. Hamazalot. So in other words, what Sefer Shemot and the Pasha of Shemot is referring to is things dealing not with the actual going out from Mitzrayim, not dealing with the actual exodus, but dealing with that matter which led to the exodus. What was so important to deal with the matters that, that led to the exodus? Because As we will learn shortly, in Mitzrayim, nobody could go out. From Egypt, nobody could have gone out. Nobody. It says, only with the force of Hashem, who bought smoke, he took him out. What do you mean, he took him out? You mean, Hashem came down and he took him out? Why? And it also says, because, or not, they would never have been freed. Had they not gone out then, because they had reached the 49th gate of Tumah, what does that mean? That they were so uh, enveloped by the force of the Egyptians, and we know that the Egyptians were the, the originators of astrology, as an example. We know that the, uh, the uh, Egyptians in the Middle Kingdom could make pyramids, could make mummification. No other nation in the world has any any replica of that kind of power as the Egyptians. This kind of power kept not only the Jews, but the Zohar says the entire world was kept in bondage. What do you mean in bondage? Does that mean there were slaves beaten like we're going to read shortly? It appears like 
you know, it was it was terrible. It was almost like a holocaust. And yet, if we look throughout the Bible, the one thing that the Jews were always in agreement was on one thing. Let us finally return back to the good old days of Egypt. All the time, whenever there was a little problem in the wilderness, what was the first outcry? Let's go back to Egypt. If it was really that bad, I don't think there's anybody who would like to go back to a crematorium where he once spent it, or in a, or in a, a concentration camp where he spent several years. Would you ever hear anyone speak in that kind of vein? I want to go back there. Yet, throughout the Torah, every time there was a problem, not, and not a major problem, incidentally, but every, if they didn't have water in the desert, like, you know, God can only create miracles, plagues, split a Red Sea, you see. Those things, well, that was easy for him. But that he should provide water in the desert, that was a little difficult. And so they complained right then and there and said, there's only one good place left for us. And that's back to Egypt. So if a person wants to go back to Egypt, it couldn't be so bad to begin with. Therefore, we'll have to understand that. But in any event, what we're learning here and what this entire Pasha of Shemot is not to tell us a story of Exodus because if you read that story of Exodus superficially, they were unhappy to leave. To the extent that both the Midrash and the Zohar says that during the plague, the ninth plague of Choshech, an infinite amount of Jews died because they didn't really ever want to leave Egypt. You know, there's a lot of Jews that today, what would happen if the Messiah came today? The first thing they would ask, well, what happens with my Rolls Royce? And what happens with my house? And what happens? Does, what happens? It becomes a problem. It's not so simple if Mashiach came right now, even though Mashiach meant what? No more wars, no more suffering. It would be all peaceful. And yet, I think in the minds of many people, they would question what this all means. And certainly if they had time to question, like they may hear that next week he's coming, there would be a tremendous dilemma. All the questions would surface. What happens now? Does it mean this? Does it mean that? Does it mean this? And does it mean that? So it's not such a simple thing that we all want, Mashiach, because we don't know maybe what it means. In any event, the Jews in Egypt also didn't know, and so the Midrash says that during the time of Choshech, the ninth plague, many Jews died. They were Jews that never dreamt that they would ever leave Egypt. So it couldn't have been too bad. It couldn't have been too bad. And we will discuss this evening what was really so good there that they didn't want to leave and what was so good that they constantly repeat, let us go back. But at least we begin from this Zohar that we just learned with an understanding, and for us certainly where we consider the Torah as a cosmic code, it's a tzofen. It is not what it says. But it's the only way we can understand what it says is by words being written. But what we are learning here and through the Zohar is what was behind all of this. Because for many of us, 
When I say many of us, meaning for the 80%, 70% of Jews who don't even up, open up this this book anymore, beside the, uh, you know, the Gideon Society. So, you know, you go to a hotel, you'll always find a Gideon uh, Bible over there. They seem to feel that it's very important that we study the Bible. But for most Jews in particular, how many people know the Bible? And how many people are even interested in knowing what the Bible says? And I can and I can understand why people are not interested in the Bible. Why? Because if it's discussing an exodus that happened 3,800 years ago, of what concern is that for me today? Other than some rabbi telling us Jewish heritage, Judaism depends on that. But what does it do for me today? What does it do for me today? And therefore we understand from from Rabbi Shimon that do not treat, as he said in Bahalotcha, Pasha Bahalotcha, do not treat the Torah as a storybook, as something which tells you of your heritage, of your background, of your past, because that's not important. The truth of it is, and the fact is, that it's not important for most Jews today. What happened 2,000 years ago? What happened 3,000 years ago? What happened 4,000 years ago? So the Zohar says, what is important is how does that help me here, now, today? And that's what Shemot is about. Why is Shemot important for us? Because Shemot, if we decipher the code of Shemot, if we remove the concealment of Shemot, we will learn how to be in control of our own destiny. So when we speak of the Jews being slaves, we said it wasn't that bad in Egypt. It was not that bad in Egypt. And they didn't want to leave Egypt because it was very good. However, and the same reason I say, which Jew would want to leave the United States today? Even if things was, were even not so bad in Israel, let's say. Who would want to go back to Israel? Why should he want to go back to Israel? If things are very comfortable here. But if there could be something in Israel that I can't have here, if there was such a thing, well, does it mean that it, the only cars they have in, the, in uh, Israel maybe are Rolls Royces? And there's a shortage of Rolls Royces in the United States. That might be a reason to go back. I don't think that's a reason. In fact, there aren't too many over there and there are more here. So what would be the reason, truthfully speaking, for any Jew to want to go back? He says, I have a feeling for it. That's my homeland. What does that mean? What do you mean your homeland? The Jew in in Egypt didn't believe like that. And both the Talmud, the Zohar, the Medrash says there was no door. There was no generation of Deya, of intelligence, like the generation of the Exodus. The generation of the Dora Midbar, the intelligent level of the Dora Midbar, never existed again, only in the time of Zaman Yomot Mashiach that we are in now. And do you know why? Why are all, why will it be now? Because all those Nishamot, all those Chutzpahniks, you know, you know, the ones who could, who could tell God, I just saw the splitting of the Red Sea. 
but give me water. Can't you give me water, God? I mean, he couldn't give him water, right? Who could think like that? All the miracles, and now he's there asking, give me, or the manna. It's, you know, we eat that every day. Give us something new. Give us the fish of Egypt. The manna is not so tasting, so it's not such a delicacy as I would like to. Who has that kind of chutzpah to speak to, to God that way? The Jew of the Exodus. That's the Jew of today, incidentally. The Jew of the age of Aquarius, the Manumota Mashiach, is that time. So if you find chutzpah, so the Zohar says, in this Manumota Mashiach, the Jew will have a lot of chutzpah. And he does have a lot of chutzpah today, like never before. But the reason for that, you should understand that those with that kind of a chutzpah are those who were there in the Exodus and are now again incarnated. Hopefully that this time around, they'll make their tikkun. But in any event, what we have here in Shemot, what we have here in Shemot is one idea. The whole Sefer Shemot. And therefore we can understand why half, or maybe even more than half of Shemot, the whole Sefer, the whole book of Shemot, the whole book of Exodus is devoted to what? The Mishkan. The Mishkan. What does the Mishkan have to do with, with Exodus? Because the Mishkan was the method by which the Jews could tap that energy. That energy that exists. If anybody feels he's lacking something, things maybe are not going so well, that he should be able to learn how to tap that energy so he should have a little peace and comfort because peace is not which country you live in, but peace comes if there's inner peace. When there's inner peace, then you can have outer peace. Why we speak of Israel and why would a Jew want to go to Israel? I can only see one reason, the reason that the Zohar says. Because if the Jew will come to an understanding that he is Yisrael, I mean real Yisrael, you know, because the Gemara says that only when Eliyahu Navi is going to come, he's going to tell us who's Jewish and who's not Jewish. We think we're all Jewish. But you know, way, way back, 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 our great-grandmother could have been not Jewish. You know, it happens sometimes when a Jew marries a non-Jew and a non-Jew, or a Jew or a Jewess. It happens occasionally, right? That same thing could have happened a long, long time ago. So it says in the Gemara that no one is going to know who is really Jewish until Eliyahu Anabi comes. But whoever is Jewish belongs to that land. What do you mean he belongs to that land? Because that is the land. That is the energy center. We have enough proof of history to indicate that Eretz Yisrael is the place. Because that's what Shemot is all about. Where are they going? They're going to Israel. Why are they going to Israel? Because that will be the place where with this knowledge, with this knowledge that we are going to learn in Shemot, in Sefer Shemot, there will be a better Mikdash. There was a preview of the better Mikdash. What was that? The Mishkan. How to establish a place? And what was the Koch of the better Mikdash? The Aron Aidut. The Kodesh Kadashim. Why was it Kodesh Kadashim? Because that was the point 
by which the Jew could connect to the whole energy that exists in the cosmos, which is information, which is power, which is everything. That was Kodesh Kadashim. Why was it called Kodesh Kadashim, Holy of Holies? It doesn't mean Holy of Holies. It means where the energy circuit, the Magala of Kohanergia, was the most strongest of this whole place. So if a Jew will say, I'm hungry for more, I want more energy, you want to know where you get it? There in Jerusalem. Or as close to Jerusalem as possible. But to say that I would go to Israel for any other reason, because that's the homeland of Jews. When it was the homeland of Jews, we know what they did with it. And we know even the Dor Deyah had no intention of going. But they were convinced by Moshe that if you want energy and you want the most, the maximum, and a Jew, a Jew having the the greatest ratzon, the kabel, good desire to receive, he knew the place where he can get it. That was in Israel, so he agreed for a selfish reason. He agreed. So we learn from, from this Zohar that what Shemot is about is the Shemot. Is the Shemot. Therefore, we will learn in Bishalach that just before the Kriyat Yamsuf, before the splitting of the sea, in Pasha Bishalach, the Zohar tells us, and that is the secret of the 72 names, for some of you who know that, in chapter 14, verse 19, 20, and 21. In each of these, each of these verses, each of these sentences, there are 72 letters. Each of these three, I'm sorry, each of these three sentences, there are 72 letters. Here lies the power of the Jew. And that's why it happened before Kriyat Yamsuf, because it was through this power that the splitting of the Red Sea, it was through these three psukim that the power came to the Jew that nothing of Choma, nothing of a material substance could stand in the way of a Jew. He could rule everything in this universe. Why hasn't he ruled? And we don't see that he did. Except one period in time was when from Shlomo Melech onwards until the Churban, till the destruction, a few hundred years. Out of how many years? 5,747 years. The Jew ruled 400 years. Other than that, he ruled nothing. But here lied the strength, the knowledge by which we can control every part of the universe. And if we control the universe, then maybe we could even control our own destinies. We could even be in control of ourselves. But this is what Shemot was about. The reason we study Shemot, the reason that Pesach is important to us, is not because of heritage. I, if, if I have one single goal in, in, in my life, and that is to undo, to be mavatel, the idea that everything has to do with the past. There's no future. You ever hear the Jews speak of the future? Other than the Israeli, he says, Yetov, and I always ask him, Al Smachma, right? He says, tomorrow's going to be good, and I say, on what? 
you know, a man runs a business for 500 years, and every year he loses money. So you say, What's, what do you think is going to be? He says, Yetov. So you'll ask him, uh, 500 years, you lose money. Now you expect to make money all of a sudden this year. What should change? It's because they have not, outside, and it, it has happened in different periods of time, whether it was in Spain, whether it was in Svat, different times, there was an effort. There was an effort made to make the Jew become enlightened. He should know. Not that he has to accept everything because zekatuf kacha. It's not true. But what is our schut? What, what do we have today more than any other previous generation? Because it's Zman Yemot HaMashiach. It's the age of Aquarius. Only because it's the age of Aquarius that we can have the Zachut that maybe we will begin to understand and become rulers. And this is what Shemot is all about. And now he says, we'll take another part here. Okay, this is Dab Gimel of the Zohar. He wants to discuss... Another interesting, because if you really read the uh, the uh, first pasuk, it says pasuk uh, aleph in Shemot. It says ve'el Shemot bnei Yisrael. These are the names of the bnei Yisrael. Habayim Mitzrayim that came to Mitzrayim. Et Yaakov ish uveto ba'u with Jacob. Why does he change the name? Either his name is Yisrael or his name is Yaakov. But in the same pasuk, in the same verse, they mention B'nai Yisrael, and they also mention Yaakov. So I want to read what Rabbi Shimon has to say on this matter. When it says first in that verse, verse 1, Yisrael, Dahainu ve'elu shemot b'nei Yisrael, Shehu mishum she'shorish orot she'lyud bet ha'shvatim ba'im min ha'ilan ha'nikra Yisrael. Dahainu mechazeh ulamala d'zei rampin. We also know about the Magen David. It's called Magen David. You'll ask the average Israeli, he says, yeah, that's our flag. What, how else does he relate to the Magen David? It's our flag. Or he says, on a Bet Knesset. In fact, when I came to Israel for the first time, I saw Magen David. I thought every place where there's a Magen David, it must be a Bet Knesset, because the only place in America you see a Magen David is on a Bet Knesset. So every time I saw a house, you know, a fence around the house, I figured it must be a Bet Knesset. And then I found out, no, it's an ornament. It's a symbol, you know. It's an, but we know that it's called Magen David. Why is it called Magen David? Because that's the shield, that's the protection. What do you mean it's the protection? The symbol is the protection? Flag is the protection? No, because it has two triangles to indicate to us the two triads. The upper and the lower. There's an upper triad and a lower triad. The upper has three points, Segol, and the lower has three points, also Segol. Also, the vowel of Segol, meaning the three dots. And why is it that way? So from the Zohar we know 
that Cheshit, Givura, and Teferet, which are the three upper forces, are known as Yisrael. That's Mechaze Olamala. It's from the breast and upwards. Why is it called from the breast and upwards? Because from the breast and upwards is called, in medicine they don't know this yet, and I don't want to elaborate. In Pasha Pinchas, which will be coming out, we'll, there's a, a more of, a, a, of an elaboration on it. But there is another, there's, a, there's another kind of level of consciousness, energy intelligence, that runs this part, and below the chazeh, below the breast, where you have the diaphragm, and you know why there's a diaphragm? To separate the upper from the lower, because the lower is more actual, more active. What does that mean? Like the legs. If you have a thought, if you have a thought without walking, without movement, which indicates movement, you can't have a yitziat lapol, you cannot have it become manifested. Without feet, without feet, you can't move, you can't make movement. In any event, the two triads of the Magin David, the upper one, is potential, is referred to as potential. The lower triad is the active. So he says, since all of Sefer Shemot, again, all of Sefer Shemot is referring to Kochot energy intelligences, There are two aspects that must be combined. The potential and the actual. Therefore, when it says Shemot B'nai Yisrael, when it says Israel, that's a code name. It's a code. It's not a name, just another name. Or he has many names. He has Yisrael. And we also call him Yaakov. No. We're not talking about Yaakov. We're not talking about the Shvatim. We are talking about what they represent. Yisrael signifies and portrays the upper triad, the three Sfirot, known as potential, and Yaakov. Yaakov Yaakov ki. It already told us in Genesis when that Yaakov came to Mitzrayim. We don't know that. Why is he repeating it again? It says already that Yaakov came with his family to Egypt. Why is he telling this again? Why is he repeating this? But he wants to tell us that what happened, what happened was Yaakov, he himself, along with his 12 sons, they were the chariots they were the chariots of all the forces in the universe. How many mazalot are there? Twelve? Twelve sons. They control the mazalot. But when the Jews were reborn again, and you know all of the Jews, as it says in the Kitvei Ari, 
all of the Jews that came into Mitzrayim, who were they? They were the Jews of the Dor HaMabul, the ones who died in the, in the flood. And they were again the Jews who came back, and Jews never learned, as you know. They came back again in the Dor Shel Aflaga, in the, in the in Migdal Bavel, came back again. Did the same thing again, right? And now they came back again in Mitzrayim. So he's telling us, but when they came to Mitzrayim, when these souls came back to Mitzrayim, they were already in the level of Yaakov. What does it mean, the level of Yaakov? They did not have that connection like the 12 sons of Jacob or Yisrael. They were now Yaakov. Yaakov is also a code name. It's a tzofen. For what? They did not know how to connect to Chesed, Gvur, and Tefet, to the upper triad. In other words, the upper triad and the lower triad were separated. They were not unified. The head was not unified with the body. Thought was not unified with action. A lot of people do things, and they don't think the way they should think. Why don't they think? Because they're not connected to themselves. He's telling us here, and the reason that he uses two expressions, Yisrael and Yaakov, to tell us that what was the problem? What was the problem of the Jew being in Egypt? The Zohar says they had to be in Egypt. Rabbi Shimon says, why did they pick out Egypt of all other places? Why Egypt? Because we know that where was the the seat of, of all magic, of all witchcraft, of all those negative forces? Where were they? in Egypt so they had to be brought down there they had to be brought down there because that's where the Jew belonged the Jew of the flood the Jew of the Tower of Babel belonged there and now he would have to get out from that and therefore it says they descended from the height of Yisrael they went down to Yaakov what does it mean Yaakov? Yaakov is a code word for what? the lower triad they were not connected to the three energies of Chesed, Gvura, and Teferet. And what would happen here? They would again learn. They would again learn when? Just before Kriyat Yamsuf, as we said before, they were going to learn the Ayin Bet Shemot, how they, like the Yud Bet Shvatim, like the 12 Shvatim, were able to control the universe, they also would control the universe. They also would control the universe. So what does it mean, Exodus? Not Exodus going out of Mitzrayim. The Zohar says it means Lashem Meitzar. What does Meitzar mean? It's narrow. You're closed in. You're boxed in. I can't get out. Some people, whether it's in business, whether it's in a difficult family situation, he doesn't know how to get out of it. That's the expression. He's boxed in. That's what happened here. They were boxed in, didn't know how to get out of it. And they learned how to get out of it. So when we discuss Shemot, Exodus, are we talking about history? That Jews came out of Egypt and therefore I'm going to celebrate Pesach? Like I said, I say in the day, that's not the reason we celebrate Pesach. Because Pesach is a special force that can help me get out of my problems. That was the reason for Pesach. So, when we read here also, that it says uh, Hashem 
I, I won't go into uh, the asterisk, but Moshe was born. All right, Moshe is born, and then he says to, um, and he had to run away. You know why? Because there were two Jews that Datam uh, Vavidam that saw Moshe uh, slay a Mitzri, and they told Paro, and he had to run away. Anyway, while he's in. Uh, uh, while he's in uh, Midian, he's told by Hashem to come back. And then he comes to a bush, a burning bush. What does it say over there by the burning bush? In chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the fathers and the wilderness and came to the mountain of Shem unto Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. All right? And what happened? Behold, the bush burnt with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now we're talking about Moshe. I mean, I always have to bring up the the uh, the phenomena of fire walkers. You know that there are many people today that can walk on gachelet, right? on hot coals. They walk right onto it. What does it mean? The flesh of the body does not become consumed. The flesh of the body does not come, become consumed. Here Moshe is saying, how come the bush is not consumed? Why? Just like these people, and they're not, you don't have to be a highly spiritual person. It's a technique that you learn how you can master. I mean, Uri Geller is is not someone special. He has a technique how he can bend some want to say that's not even true, but that he could bend forks and spoons. So well, that's not any better than fire walkers to walk on, on Gachalet. What's the problem? So here all of a sudden Moshe, Moshe is, is afraid to stand near the bush because why? Because it doesn't, it's not burning, it's not consumed. What, what, what was going on in his mind? What was his problem? And then what else happens? Maybe he meant about fire walking. Because he says, take off your shoes. Right? Maybe this is there's some there's some connection, right? And he says, Don't go any closer, put off thy shoes for because where you stand is holy ground. And then he tells him Anochi Hashem, but that's not enough. And he says, What? That I'm gonna take all your people out? Because I see their zakatam, and I see all their their pain, and I see their lachats. This is all the reason. And he says, "I'm going to send you, and I'm going to send you to Paro." And what does Moshe answer? Mi anochi, mi anochi, bichi otziet bnei yisrael mimitzrayim. What is this whole dialogue over here between Moshe? And the Lord. I mean, can you imagine if some of us spoke to Hashem directly, like the Torah says, He spoke to Him directly? Would Would you say, "Who am I?" I mean, if if Hashem told you to go do something, you would say, "Who am I?" All of a sudden, 
you become so humble. Who am I, Hashem? You know, to go do it. I mean, this is the way you have to read this Pasha here, right? And he tells him, and then also he tells him, of course, uh, along the way, he says, uh, you know, don't you know, Hashem, I'm Aral Sifatayim. I can't even talk that well. I mean, a burning bush, Hashem maybe could accomplish, but I mean that maybe he wouldn't be Aral Sifatayim, this he can't do. Again, I'm only pointing out that nothing here can be taken literally. Nothing. Nothing. The whole Pasha. The whole Pasha goes on that way. And where it comes to uh, where he says, Vayam Moshe Vayan lo yaminuli, velo yishmu vikoli. Ki yomru lo nire elecha Hashem. What is he telling him? What is Moshe answering him? He says, listen, you know, you and I are talking together. You and I know. And I know who you are. You know who I am. But I mean, how will anybody else know about it? I mean, would, would any of us ask that kind of a question of Hashem? I mean, we're, we're certainly smarter than that to know better than that, right? If Hashem says, you go, if that's Hashem talking, don't you think that somehow he'll make other Jews? First of all, why did Moshe believe? Why did Moshe believe? And why would the Jews not believe? Did it, did it say that Moshe believed? Well, it doesn't say that he did. He says only they won't believe me, right? What about he himself? After he threw this staff down. And no, this is all before. This is all before. Oh, then he repeats it again, which we'll come to. But right here he says, before he's even going back to Egypt, before he's going back to Egypt, he's saying they will not listen to me. And then he says about, you'll do all of these things that they shall believe you, right? And they shall believe you. You know, they didn't believe after this happened. So what does it mean? Hashem really didn't know what would happen, right? Because in sentence, uh, in chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Lamanya minu kinira elecha Hashem, elake Avotam, elake Avraham, elake Yitzchak, elake Yaakov. Because after you prove this miracle with the snake, they'll all believe you. But you know what? They didn't believe. Didn't Hashem know that they wouldn't believe it? That they wouldn't believe. Anyway, again, if we if we want to understand what is going on over here, we have to take everything not as it appears, but take it onto another level of consciousness, another level of understanding. And we have to ask ourselves the first question, how come Moshe? The answer you know. Why Moshe? So they tell us because Moshe was a uh, roetzon, and so Hashem chose him because he said, it's a medrash, that if he could take care of sheep, you know, he used to, if he saw a a little lamb that uh, was too weak to walk, Moshe would pick him up as a true shepherd would do, and, uh, you know, 
walk with him. Wouldn't let him walk. And therefore Hashem came to the conclusion that Moshe could treat uh, the flock that way. He surely would be able to treat Jews kindly. Right? That's one explanation. But we should understand that explanation is not for us. What do you mean it's not for us? It's an explanation at one level. But just like it says immediately in the Ari, on Pasha Shemot, what do you mean Shivim Nefesh? Why were there 70? We forgot even to ask that question, right? Because we're not satisfied with what is written. What does it say? How many came to Egypt? 70. Why 70? Why 70? If it was 75, it would bother anybody here? Nobody. Why 70? So the Ari says immediately, in the beginning of Shemot, Along with the Shittat of, of the Kabbalah, we are talking about 70 levels of understanding. 70 levels of understanding to the Torah. That means that if you begin to learn Kabbalah and you start asking questions, Madua, and the answer is, well, because he was a Royd son, you can say, does that prove that already he's going to be a leader? And not only a leader of a nation, but a leader of Jews, right? To be a leader of Jews is not a... Take a look what goes on in Israel, right? Who can lead the Jews? Only Jews there, right? And nobody can lead them. Who listens to the to the uh, Rosh Memshalah? Who listens to anybody over there? All right? So we have to ask that question. What was going on here? So there's another level of understanding. The more you ask, the more you say, I believe in the Torah. I think it has power. Or prove that it has power. But let's say I believe. This is a reason. But does it satisfy me completely? You can be honest with yourself and say, that's not a reason. Because there are many people that can take care of a dog kindly. You don't have to be an evil person. You know, if you just... A kind person, you see a, a a dog in the street. It's been injured. Many people will pick up that dog and try to uh, assist the dog. In fact, the Torah says there's an inyan of tsar balei chayim that we should address ourselves to animals that are suffering. There should not be the aspect of suffering. So if he saw the little, you know, he was not, no different than what is required from all other Jews. So that would be our question. Is that why Moshe was chosen? So we know from the Zohar, the Zohar explains, since we're so limited in time, uh, uh, that Moshe was born, and it says, and immediately the Ari explains it, because without the Ari there is no explanation. He explains it just as we once asked how come Rabbi Shimon wrote the Zohar? Rabbi Shimon. Why not Rabbi Akiva? And if you're questioning whether Rabbi Akiva could have written the Torah, uh, could have written the Zohar, so the uh, the Gemara in uh, in, uh, in the Talmud of uh, Shabbat, page fifty-five. I always remember that. It says there that when Hashem chose Moshe to lead the Jews. And we're going to know today why he really chose him on another level. At that moment, Moshe, 
who could see all the neshamot, again, was it because he knew how to take care of a little lamb that he could see all the neshamot? I mean, there has to be more to Moshe than the fact that he was able to take care of a little lamb. And he asked Hashem, not in a way of, like Moshe says, who's going to believe me? Hashem says, do it. But he says, who's going to believe me? He said, I know there is another, I know there is another neshama, Moshe says this, another neshama far greater than my neshama. What does it mean greater? More kadosh? No. It means a, a, a higher level of consciousness, meaning a kli, meaning a vessel that can absorb a higher level of 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 uh, mudaot of consciousness, and he said that was Rabbi Akiva. So I so Hashem says I know what I'm doing. You have to be the one, and not and uh, not Rabbi Akiva, who is really on a much higher level of consciousness than you. What was the answer? The answer was that the Ari says about Moshe, and therefore Rabbi Shimon, who was a nitzutz, an incarnation, but Rabbi Shimon, Moshe. Moshe didn't come back because he had needed a tikkun, but he came back again only for the purpose of coming back as Rabbi Shimon by Yochai, because the Ari says, "What was only the aspect?" That's right, sure, and not that for the purpose of tikkun. And these suits, a spark of of uh, Moshe, and he said that uh, you, Rabbi Shimon, the Ari says on, on Rabbi Shimon. As Moshe Rabbeinu was born with the Or Pnimi and Or Makif at once. Now, what does that mean? We are all born with a certain amount of Or energy. I mean, what makes the body move? What makes me think? That's called Or Pnimi. It's the amount of energy that you're born with at birth that, that also provides you with growth, that gives the impetus to the DNA to do what it has to do. Then... Is that all the person has to do is be born, live and die? No. Because there is something else called the Orma Kifti, a circling light. That energy that is his, that fulfillment that belongs to him, that throughout our whole life, everybody is running and rushing to try to get something. Some people really don't know maybe what they want, but from a Kabbalistic point of view, he's looking for Orma Kif. He's looking for the light that's still missing. It's outside of him. He has to do something about it, and in that way he will bring the Omakif back to him. That's what we call tikkun. That's called tikkun. Now, Rabbi Shimon, like Moshe Rabbeinu, they were born with Omakif. There was nothing for them more to do. Nothing for them more to do. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu chosen? Because it tells you in a seek, in a coded way, in a coded way, Vayelach Ishmi Bet Levi, Vayikach Et Bat Levi, Vatara Isha, Batelit Ben. A man from Bet Levi, it doesn't tell us who? Well, the Gemara, and we use, use Rashi. Who was this person? Who was the person? Amram, the father of Moshe. Who is this? Bat Levi. Yocheved. Yocheved. And then it says, Vatari Isha. Here he calls her Bat Levi, the Zoresks. And right away she became a woman. Right? A Bat is Bat. 
And immediately, Batlevi, and in verse number two of chapter two, Batara Batelet Ben. Right away she gave birth a miracle. Whatever, why not? Anyway, the Zohar says, we are not talking about Amram and Yochebet. We're not talking about Amram and Yochebet. We are talking about Adam Arishon. And when it says, Batlevi, we are talking about Chava. And this time around, this time around, Batar Haisha, and immediately, this woman. Why does it say this woman? Know that this woman, this woman is a special woman. She was the woman called Chava. In other words, her name was Yochebet, right? But she was incarnated with the soul of Chava, because they both did not make their tikkun. In fact, the reason we're all here is for that reason. And when these two got together, but these two got together the way they should get together, in Zivug, in having a child, which mother doesn't think her child is good? Doesn't say he was beautiful, that he's good. Doesn't say beautiful. Every woman, every mother thinks their child is beautiful, but you look at a child, you think he's good. How do you know if he's good or bad? Right? So the Zohar answers, he was Nolad Mahul. He was born circumcised. Does that mean because he's born circumcised already he's good? Does that mean he's good? Now, because there are children that are born circumcised. I have uh, someone in the Mechon in, in Aretz, uh, uh, who was born Nolad Mahul also. But he's not a Moshe Rabbeinu. No? Just because he was no lad Mao, maybe he is a Moshe Rabbeinu in disguise. But I mean, so far I haven't seen that he's Moshe Rabbeinu, or even even an incarnation of Moshe Rabbeinu, or even a spark, <laughs> or even a spark. And this is not to diminish, or uh, you know, not everybody is supposed to be Moshe Rabbeinu. Everyone has his particular tikkun. So the Zohar says, what does it mean? Vatera otokitovu, and vatispeneu shloshayirachim. And she hid him for three months. They explain what does it mean she hid him for three months. That he was born. In other words, like the Egyptians knew when every woman, and they could know that, by the way. They were so powerful. What do you mean powerful? They can tell when this woman conceived. Can you imagine? They can tell when a woman conceived. And because they wanted to get every yellow, that, that was the decree, because they were afraid that the Mashiach, they knew that the Mashiach would come. That was what the astrologers say, right? There was a power in astrology, it seems. Not only there was a power in astrology, but it looks like they knew what they were talking about, that there would be a... And so they made a decree, and the minute they can tell that nine months were up, they would go to the house to find the child. Can you imagine what's going on here? This is the this is the juicy part of Shemot. Not to read a story that he, she hid him for three months. What do you mean she hid him for three months? Because she gave birth at the end of six months. And the Egyptians knew this woman will give birth in nine months. So for three months, she hid him. 
That's the way you can learn it. This is the way they explain it. This is the way Rashi explains it. She hid it for three months. The Zohar says, are we talking Are we talking about another woman who happened to give birth after six months and therefore she had time to hide him? No. The Zohar says, that in verse 2 of uh, chapter 2, that he was hidden for three months. What does it mean three months? From here the Zohar learns that there are three months there are three months that are very negative in the universal year. That is Tevet, uh, Tammuz, and Av. You know, we, Baruch Hashem, it's not by chance that we are going to celebrate tonight the end of Tevet. It wasn't by chance that we had a snowstorm last week and we couldn't have it last week, so we're gonna ha- we're having it to tonight because tonight is a very important time according to the Ari. It's Erev Rosh Tonight is Erev Rosh Tonight we are entering into Shvat, the Chodesh of Aquarius. Right? In any event, from these three words, she hid him three months. The Zohar learns out about these three months that are very negative. Here we're learning a little story. And the way the Medrash explains it, he was hidden for three months because he gave birth. she gave birth after six months. Now we're learning a, a, a whole new story here. We're learning a story of Adam Arishon and Chava. And we're learning a story that who came out when Sheik was born. It was said after 130 years here also. After 130 years, we learned that they were separated and they came back together. Also, Adam Rishon was separated from Chava 130 years. From the birth of uh, uh, Cain Vehevel, Cain and Abel, until Shet was born was a period of 130 years. Because of of what happened, they separated for 130 years. So did Amram and Yochevet separate for 130 years. When? What's that? When did they separate for 130 years? After giving birth? After the decree. No, 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 before. 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 And just like in, in creation. Yeah, yes, to Moshe. To Moshe. To Moshe. To Moshe. Who was she? Before, before she, she gave birth here. Son. Before she gave birth. Yes, yes. There was Cain and Abel, and then 130 years later, Shet was born. Now, Shet, we know, was the good son. Was was Tov. He was Tov. Wasn't completely Tov. Why? Because there was parts to Shet that were not complete. And I don't, won't go into that, but this all explains why. But here, it was different. Here, Amram and Yocheved, who are incarnations Adam of Adam Vechaba, came back now for the only purpose now to have this intercourse and produce a child, Moshe, for one purpose. To have a child that would be Kitov. What does it mean, Kitov? He was born with the Orpnimi and the whole Ormakif. Now you want to know why was Moshe, that was the question we originally asked. Why Moshe? There was nobody else to choose. So we say on another level of understanding, we have just come to that other level. It had to be Moshe. Why? Because it had to be someone who had a total connection with the cosmos, with all knowledge of past, present, 
and future. Because if he was going to provide cosmic consciousness, you know, because is tomorrow here now? Who thinks it's not? If you think it's not, it's like the seed with the tomorrow's tree. Is the tomorrow tree here now? Of course it is. If it wasn't here now, where where did it come from? Where did tomorrow come from? If there was no today, would there be a tomorrow? No. The tomorrow could never come unless there was a today. That's tomorrow. The atid is based on, on today. This is the cause for tomorrow. So Moshe, why was he chosen? Because Kitovu, he was born of Adam v'chava with Tikkun, and therefore he could know everything, and he would be the channel, he would be the tsunor, by which all the Jews would be able to now grasp this information that was going to come here in Shemot. That's what Shemot is about. So it tells you the beginning of why it all started. It tells you what the trouble was. So just to give you a summary, <clears throat> we asked about Yisrael, Yaakov, separation. The cosmos didn't come together. The upper triad of the Magen David was not connected. They needed someone who can bring together all of this cosmos. Who could do that? The man who was connected to all of it. Who was that? That was Moshe. That was Moshe. Therefore, that knowledge was immediately there. Because the Zohar understood. Why does he want to tell us that he was born after six months so the Egyptians shouldn't come? Was that the reason? That was not the reason. The reason was to give us an insight into these three dark months. That's how the Zohar learns it out. Because where was it? Where was he supposed to be for these three months? Really, in the you know inside the mother's womb, it's dark in there. It's not so light. It's not so light inside, right? It's dark for the child. It's dark. So these three months, how he learns out, he doesn't mention it right here. The Zohar. How did he learn out that Tevet <coughs> and Av and uh, Tammuz are bad? But in any event, this is what the pasuk was about. So this is why 